Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast. August 19th. One of Star Trek's biggest icons. Or celebrity fans. Or both. We'll be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek Discovery executive producer Michelle Paradise. Star Trek speaks to some basic human needs. That there is a tomorrow. That it's not all going to be over in a flash. That as a human race, we are improving and that there is much to be proud of as humans. And joining us once again, sitting in for Rachel, who we miss very much, uh, is our lovely roving guest host, Claire Kramer. Thank you, Trent. And I'm happy to sit in for Rachel, but I could never fill Rachel's shoes. So Never. (laughs) She's amazing. (laughs) And of course, we have Joey Clift on this week, comedian, TV writer, writing for Spirit Rangers on Netflix. Welcome back, Joey. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Uh, of course, uh, you know, as we can say from this quote, the thing that we're most proud of as humans is TikTok, right? Just the invention of TikTok. That's our peak as a, <laughs> our peak as a species. Absolutely. Off camera, before we started recording, we actually were sharing our favorite TikToks uh, amongst us. So yes, we are very grateful for TikTok. Oh, that's funny. The thing that is interesting to me is like, when you think of the end of the world, I always think of like a a boom, a big flash, which to me means like mm-hmm. an asteroid has hit the earth and we're all in trouble. But at the time when Gene actually said these words included in this, a big flash at a bomb, you know, it was talking about humanity imploding on itself and mm-hmm. us, you know, extincting ourselves, which isn't such a fear right now. It's more like an environmental fear of extincting ourselves with global warming. But this is really mm-hmm. interesting because humanity, you know, in the time of like bomb shelters and people digging these shelters in their backyard and bug out kits and kids in school with bomb drills, like that was a real concern. That's crazy to think about. I mean, I, I feel like every generation has something like that, that they're like, you know, like afraid of for, you know, the, the, the extinction of our species. Um, you know, I mean, something that we're going through right now is definitely, you know, the COVID pandemic, that's still definitely a thing. And like, though that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, I think that that's something that you can look at as in terms of Gene Roddenberry's words, like, it's just this immense look of hope of like, we're going to go through hardship, and there's going to be scary stuff that we're going to go through as a species and as a planet. But, you know, we've survived for millions of years up to this point. And presumably, if we keep pushing and are optimistic, we'll be able to push through. You know, it's like the it's the the perseverance of the human spirit. Right. Yeah. Well, it's definitely an optimistic quote. But I have to point out that with the covid, you know, covid, obviously, that's more to me like a 
what you a force majeure on earth you know <laughs> or like you know an act mm-hmm. of god the noah's mm-hmm. ark thing the you know something that you if you're if you subscribe to religion you could say well that's you know punishment to humanity for you know the the being upstairs is trying to right the wrongs of humanity through covid or through you know the 40 day flood or whatever insert mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you know natural disaster you want there whereas a bomb is humanity imploding on humanity and it's technology overtaking our morals and our ethics which star trek was all about you know so you got to wonder like where in gene's brain was he thinking about that particular thing, war, World War One, World War Two, you know, parts of Vietnam before, you know, when he wrote this mm-hmm. and he was like, I have to do something or we will implode on ourselves. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. And what's great about the world of Star Trek or the, the world that Gene created, it has evolved so far beyond, you know, the mankind's wars on Earth. We've talked about this before. Mankind had uh, evolved past money. We were united as a, as a species, as a people, and then we were able to travel into the stars. But within the narratives of Star Trek and series and the films, uh, he was able to tell these stories as if, you know, speaking to us because we haven't evolved that far yet. And this is another one of his wonderfully hopeful messages. Gene was so optimistic. And because he was so optimistic, I honestly believe that he wholeheartedly believed that humanity was capable of evolving, of growing beyond the mistakes that we continue to make, that we made in the 60s, that we continue to make now. Uh, and eventually we get to the point where you know, we grow up and we're able to venture forth and then face real growth beyond just our, you know, what we're used to on this little planet. It is also so cool that like, you know, uh, yeah, when Star Trek came out in the the 1960s, this was a period of like immense technological improvement as far as the human race goes. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, like uh, there, there were so many just like huge technological leaps in kind of, you know, the 50 years prior to that, um, you know, like, I feel like people often say that, like, you know, the, when the first airplane took off and when we, we successfully landed a man on the moon, the difference between those times was like mm-hmm. 50 years, you know, like it wasn't that far. Yeah, it's and crazy. And like, it is really cool that Gene saw the, 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 you know, the non-destructive potential of technological involvement. You know, the, the, the atom bomb being the destructive potential of our technological involvement and like space travel and transporters and all that being the non-destructive, like progressive look at like the potential of this technology, which is just like cool to see, you know? That's a great point. That is a great point. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, no, that is a really good point. And I, you know, I have to ask you, Joey, it's funny because I was just thinking if Rachel were on the show, she would be talking about how optimism is a choice, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was thinking like being optimistic must allow people to access different parts of their brain. Don't you guys think like that must mm-hmm. open you up when you don't have the weight of like anger, depression, you know, mm-hmm. animosity. It must open your mind to being able to think in different ways when you clear that veil of negativity, you know? So this quote says, we have things to be proud of as humans. And Joey, you you mm-hmm. are an advocate for indigenous people and come from that background, how do you take that part of the quote? Like, terrible things have happened. We've done terrible things to each other. What do we have to be proud of? Yeah, I mean, I 
to that point, I definitely, I definitely think that, do you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like that pyramid that's like self-actualization is the top. And then at the bottom, it's just like the need for food and shelter. And you can't like reach the top until you've kind of hit, you know, all the other needs. And like, you know, I definitely think that like that level of optimism comes from like, you know, like a certain level of, you know, privilege, for lack of a better term, of having like all of your needs fed, all of your needs filled to that point where you can be that optimistic. But I do think that there is something that like we can learn from that. And, and it is just like, I don't know, like I try to be a positive person. And I think that like, you know, you can definitely like, if you're beyond the point where like all of your other needs are being met, you know, like things like, you know, safety, uh, you know, food, shelter and things like that. The ability to look toward the future is definitely like a cool thing to be able to aspire to that. Like, you know, I mean, real talk, it's like not not everybody's necessarily afforded the ability to do that. But like once you get to the point to be able to do that, it's like a good spot to be in, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And then um, uh, another thing that I, I kind of wanted to bring up that like uh, there's another really interesting show that was similarly in inspired by the um kind of like the, the atom bomb in a way that like i don't think that people really understand and that's uh same era as star trek gilligan's island by mm -hmm. sherwood schwartz was also like uh that was also like from the same era and it is interesting that like that that inspired two very like noteworthy tv yeah. shows in the 60s yeah. with completely opposing tones but also not that different because like both of them are about like yeah. survival of the human race star trek on you know a spacecraft Gilgan's Island on an island, you know? What a brilliant juxtaposition. I, that's crazy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like I, uh, but before Sherwood Schwartz passed away a few years ago, I talked to him at like a book signing and he like, he was just like, Gilgan's Island was about the World War II. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, so it's just nuts. That's, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. So going back to what you said, Joey, do you think being optimistic is a privilege that you're given, that you're born into? That, that true optimism cannot be attained through discipline, mental discipline, uh, physical discipline, that it's that it's something that by, uh, you know, race and economic stature you're born into. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that, um, you know, if you're born in poverty and you, you know, don't necessarily have like a safe living environment and, you know, you're struggling through things like systematic oppression, racism and stuff like that it's like hard to see the silver lining of living because you're so much focused on just survival, which is definitely something that a lot of like marginalized people, mm -hmm. you know, in this country as well as globally, as well as historically have definitely like had to deal with. And, you know, I mean like Gene Roddenberry, I don't necessarily, you know, understand his like socioeconomic background, but like, you know, I assume, you know, his position, gender and et cetera, and the time that he grew up, it like gave him the mental bandwidth to be able to like, look optimistically at the future. But that said, I mean, I think that him being able to do that definitely has inspired people of all genders, races, and marginalized backgrounds since then, you know? And I think that there is something really cool about, like, about that sort of thing, but also, like, understanding that, like, 
it definitely took a certain level of privilege to be able to look into the future with such uh, optimistic view, if that makes sense. I, I do. And it reminded me, I mean, it's interesting. This is a debate that I have never considered. You know, I'm not a marginalized person. I'm a white, mm-hmm. you know, blonde haired, blue eyed woman from Ohio, you know, mm-hmm. who grew up in a two parent home and, you know, went to was able to go to NYU. And now I live in California. So I'm the opposite of what you're talking about. But it did remind mm-hmm. me of one of the most optimistic people who lived through one of the most horrendous situations, which is Anne Frank. And she had that famous quote. I just looked it up and it's, it's difficult in times like these ideals, dreams, and cherished hopes rise within us only to be crushed by grim reality. It's a wonder I haven't abandoned all my ideals. They seem so absurd and impractical yet. I cling to them because I still believe in spite of everything that people are truly good at heart. So mm-hmm. I would argue to say some people do have born optimism despite their circumstances. And and probably you're right about the other 95, 99%. <laughs> yeah, I guess that like I, I get what you're talking about. I guess that like what I my my mentality toward that kind of thing is that like I feel like sometimes there's this like expectation on marginalized peoples of like it's like they'll pick one person an example and they'll be like, why aren't you optimistic? Like this person was optimistic or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there, there is kind of this pressure mm-hmm. to be like a, a model minority, an exceptional minority and et cetera. And like, you know, I, I think that I definitely think that like some people have born optimism, but also like, you know, uh, not to shame anybody that doesn't because it's hard. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Well, thank goodness for pharmaceuticals, because sometimes I mean, and I'm not joking, though, I really believe that, you know, SSRIs and and similar can retrain the synopsis in your brain so that if you struggle with not I don't want to, you know, not being optimistic or depression, which everyone does, I imagine for some people, that is a way to to help them retrain their way of thinking. I'm not talking about marginalized people born, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I'm just talking about in general social society, I guess. Trent, what do you think? In my experience, I can tell you that the most optimistic person that I know personally is my father. And my father grew up absolute dirt poor. And I mean poverty. He had nothing for most of his life. But he always believed that somehow, some way, it would work out. He's not even a, a very religious man. My mother was much more religious. I am not a religious man myself. But he was not a real religious man. But he was very optimistic about if you work hard. He believed that he could work hard. He believed with the power he had in his hands. He didn't speak English. He learned, you know, he was Spanish speaking, but he learned English just by listening to people. Um, He made his way from Texas up to Michigan. He became a truck driver. He started buying property one at a time because he always believed that he had it within himself to to do it. And he knew that if he was going to have a child, he would he didn't want me, for example, to suffer the way he did. Still to this day, you know, he's a very humble man, very, very optimistic. I wish I was as optimistic as he is. I think I'm pretty optimistic. Um, You know, I I can't relate to him and what he went through exactly. But as a gay man growing up and seeing how far LGBTQ visibility has, uh, in my opinion, exploded in recent years, just things I never really anticipated seeing on television or, you know, in public media or or popular media. But I 
always believed that, you know, it, it would get better and that, you know, the axiom that it gets better for me, I think uh, holds true for me. So what I, yeah. I, I think that like I get I get what you're talking about. I think that a lot of this and this is just kind of my my personal passion as a you know TV writer, storyteller, whatever is like, I think that a lot of this has to do with having uh, models for success and models for optimism. Mm -hmm. So, and like, uh, you know, just, just cause you brought it up, like native communities, like we oftentimes don't necessarily have, uh, you know, representation in the media heroes that we can look up to that have like a path for mm -hmm. success that we can look to and say like, Oh, there's a native banker on TV. That's really rich. Or there's a native who works at a Ralph's or something like that. And because of that, oftentimes our communities are put in a spot where like you can kind of feel trapped in your kind of economic standing. And these are also like, you know, economic standings that we're talking mm -hmm. about of like the Navajo Nation based at Arizona, like some sections of the Navajo Nation to this day, like doesn't have running water. They have to like drive, you know, 30 miles into the desert to a well to get water. So it's like, you know, I, I think it's like, I don't want to shame anybody in that socioeconomic situation for not being optimistic, you know? Um, of course. Yeah. But I think that that's why it's important to have like positive, marginalized representation, positive uh, native representation on TV. So that like, if you're somebody that's growing up in those socioeconomic standards, you can like see somebody on TV that's like you, that you represent as being somebody like you, you know, uh, even Trent, like, you know, use your dad as an example of somebody that like, is successful and managed to do a lot of really cool stuff from his position. So like that to you is like a hero that you can mm -hmm. look up to. So, you know, I think that like, just mm -hmm. for me, that's why I'm pushing so hard for like native representation in the media is that so, you know, kids growing up in reservations that don't necessarily have the means or the permission to dream that a lot of other people do can hopefully see somebody that they relate to on TV and feel like they have the potential to also achieve greatness. Um, anyway, uh, that was a, that was a, Long rant. I, I don't. I'm not, I forget how we got from Gilligan. No, I feel like this is like a separate episode that I want to like return to because I I don't know if you've watched any of Yellowstone. It's a great series, but one of the main native characters le went left the reservation and then has come back and is now trying to help you know those on the reservation, including her mother, her children. Um, so there's a whole other conversation, Joey, that I really want to have with you about this topic. That being said, I am really glad that we had this conversation about this quote Absolutely. because it really opened my yeah. mind and I have learned a lot personally. So thank you. Thank both of you. The last thing that I really want to touch on is the last line about that human race is improving, uh, that we have things to be proud of as humans. And for me personally, just seeing how my nurse friends and people that I know that are first responders, how they stepped up in this last year, how they put their personal safety you know, in jeopardy to in the aid and service of others as this pandemic raged and we are still dealing with the effects of really, really reminded me, you know, almost on a daily basis that, you know, we do have a lot to be proud of as a people when you have examples like that. And that's kind of the things that I like to look at to focus on. I mean, uh, like, I know that this is uh, being released as an audio medium, but that we're talking over video chat is still insane to me. I'm very proud that like <laughs> Zoom exists, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you guys so much. Again, this was a very insightful episode for self-reflection for me, and I enjoyed it. And Trent, you're amazing. And <laughs> as always, uh, Joey, you are amazing as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. And we will see you guys tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Yay. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.